solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast. I am Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major platforms and including YouTube. As always, to my side, Cody M. Davis talking about the Houston Texans. Go ahead and get them folks to run down. Let's get started. Yes, sir. And as you guys know, it's a Friday installment of Locked On Texans, which means we got our guy, Mr. B. Scott Brandon from Sports Radio 610 as we talk about everything that went on last week regarding the Houston Texans, especially the performance from Davis Mills. What is he expecting for this upcoming week in the game against the Indianapolis Colts? And then, of course, got to get his ideas and his takeaways about some of these trade rumors that we are starting to hear. But ladies and gentlemen, we promised this early on in the week, but of course, the trade rumors surrounding Lonnie Johnson Jr. kind of threw us off schedule a little bit. But John still want to give you listeners and you viewers, he still want to let you guys hear your voices and your opinions here on Locked On Texans. Absolutely, Cody. The first one is actually to you. I'm, I'm looking at. Are we able to say their names? Yeah, you have to. That? Okay, we're looking at Oscar Cruz. And this was under the Miss Opportunity, uh, how much the Meltdown in Ace Town episode that we did mm-hmm. under the YouTube comment. Oscar Cruz said, I really like y'all show. I have a two part question. Cody, you actually go to the lot to Texans Live coaches and interviews, right? If yes, why don't you ask the coaches some of the things you say on the podcast? And before I pass it over, I think a lot of times we do. There's a lot of information that we're not able to kind of always dive into. Uh, for the show at times, but I'll I'll go ahead and let you take that over, Cody. Yeah, we actually do. You know, it's not only me, it's the rest of the Houston Texans beat reporters that you guys see as well. And we ask them every single question that we have on our mind, you know, the good, the bad, and the extremely ugly. But we recorded that, what, two hours after the loss against the New England Patriots. And there's one thing I would say, it's better if we ask those questions, and sometimes we still do, we ask them throughout the week because especially after a loss <laughs> like they did, like they took on Sunday where they had the lead, they blew the lead, and they end up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. At the end of the day, they're just human. So their mind is just racing, and we throwing like millions and billions of questions at them. A lot of times they don't give us what we want, and that's why not just myself, but a lot of people, even the ones with the most sources and relationships within the organization – they still don't know what's going on. So that's part of the reason why, like I say, throughout the week, we'll still ask them and stuff. But a lot of times, and rightfully so, to a certain extent, these teams like to keep a lot of their stuff in-house. I also want to look at the comments that was made under the, is Houston Texans quarterback Davis Mills the best of the 2021 NFL <laughs> Oh, <team> Lord. <laughs> and that was a lot, but specifically for the – on YouTube, his name is Front Runner. Mm-hmm. He mentions one good game, and y'all ready to give him the keys. Y'all funny as hell. Now, let me go ahead and take <laughs> that if you don't mind. One good game? One? He had a good game against the New England Patriots. But it's not about more so the good games he's had. Let's look at the bad games everybody else has had. Now, exactly. everybody is giving Mac Jones right now 
the number one quarterback out of this draft class. And we we mentioned Mac Jones on this show. We said Mac Jones right now would be number one. I have personally said, aside of the game against the Texans and some flashes and flashes both between the Texans and, and Buccaneers game, Mac Jones hasn't overly impressed me. Okay, like every like he's doing everybody else in the media, which I think is a. I think he's purposely being a media darling for purposes of Tom Brady air. Okay. But if we're looking at everybody else in this draft class, draft class, Zach Wilson has stunk it up. Stunk it up. I mean, okay. Uh, Fields is in a weird position because of his situation in uh, Chicago. However, Justin Fields and Davis Mills got starts after the, the starting quarterback went down. And from those games on, Davis Mills has looked better, especially considering what he did on Sunday. Okay. Mills looked good for about a quarter and a half against Carolina. And I also think, as we found out, the coaches apologized for that loss and his performance, rather, and with the offense was more so on them and handcuffing him. And then Trevor Lawrence is 0-4 right now in, in Jacksonville, and they got a whole bunch of mess going on. And so Trey Lance and his situation, again, He's playing more now because of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's also facing. I don't think he may play on Sunday. So yeah, I, got, I, don't, I don't think he is. I think he got some kind of knee issue going on there. Right. So it's fair to say that the conversation around who's been the better quarterback right now, you're going to give it to Mac Jones, but then right under him, who else would you choose? I'm going with Davis Mills. The rest of the quarterback, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, they've started since day one for their respective teams. And Zach Wilson, as we mentioned, he he hasn't been good whatsoever. Aside of that Buffalo game and that Buffalo game, that Buffalo Bill team just put a hurting on that Kansas City team. Okay. So hmm. aside of that game, Davis Mills has five touchdowns and one interception. And by the way, and I do also want to mention, since Davis Mills took over for Tyrod Taylor in the second half of that Cleveland game, he has thrown for the most passing yards as well. He has had a higher passer rating and <laughs> It's the the numbers prove it, the film prove it, and look at the end of the day, all of these quarterbacks, with the exception of David Mills, they have been pretty bad, and they've been a big disappointment as well. And when you take a look at David Mills, and you take a look at what he has been able to do, by the way, I believe Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson should be further along in their progression because they've been starting since the opening day, day of OTAs, day and the one. fact that those two guys, especially Zach Wilson. Has yeah. not looked better than Davis Mills. That's that is saying Wilson a lot. Never had he had he never had competition at he, all. I mean, even in Jacksonville, that was uh, Urban Meyer. Was, was, was was you. <laughs> Zach Wilson never had competition at his spot. Okay, and so we're not giving him the keys. That's that's not what we're saying. But one thing that I do believe in, we've talked about it before on and off camera, his performance against the New England Patriots uh, gave him another game, which. Tyrod Taylor, I think, is trending upward to being healthy. And if, if Houston was in a position where they could possibly be behind half a game or a game behind for first place of this division and Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he would probably play this week. But Davis Mills' performance earned him another game. We're not giving him the keys. We're simply saying, look around. You take your pick of the litter. And if you're going with guys like Zach Wilson, you're doing it off name. If you're going with Trevor Lawrence right now, not for what you potentially think, but right now, when we had that show, you're going off name. The last one is, well, not the last one, but I guess we can keep it short. 
and then continue on for next Friday's show. Uh, I, I would go with because I had a few, man. <laughs> I had a few. I'm, I'm going to go with this one. This was under the. Is it fair to say Deshaun Watson quit, which is one of our hardest? Oh, yeah, which is, and I picked a clean one too because some of those uh, comments YouTube was like, "No, nah, y'all ain't gonna even." By post the way, by the way, time. I do want to mention on Wednesday I had an opportunity to see Deshaun Watson work out on the practice field. He was still working out by himself. He was sitting there working out. I think it was on um, with two team trainers or whatever. Man, you know, I, I just wanted to mention that because every time I feel like I'm ready to let go, I will see goes. him. And I just like, man, I just think back to all the great memories. And it's just like, man, I'm yeah. not ready yet, John and listeners. I'm sorry. Well, some folks are ready. But this was our highest watched and viewed show. And we are Texans hashtag Red Nation commenting. Watson did quit. But in my opinion, it all began at the top, on the top. When Cal said he's keeping Jack Easterby, despite the fact that the majority of the people in the locker room, in the media, and the fans wanted him gone, he mm. still decided to keep Easterby. And Watson didn't want to be a part of an organization that stubborn. I wish Watson can play. I wish he could just make, excuse me, make things up with the front office and at least give it a chance with Casario and Cully at the same time. I couldn't blame him because that front office is indeed toxic and it all begins with Cal and Easterby. JJ didn't want to be a part of it and he left town as soon as he got an opportunity to do so. Watson is simply doing the same thing. Should he play? Yes. It will increase his trade value and the value of what this team can get in return. At, at the same time, I believe it's the Texans organization that failed Deshaun Watson. And I think this is one of those comments and, and feelings that echo throughout millions of fans for this team right now. The fans are looking at Houston as an organization as the villains. You caused this. And a lot of fans I've I've read or I've talked to, uh, whether it's been on Twitter, whether it's been in articles, whether it's been on the streets, where wherever I'm at, a lot of fans feel like with the amount of issues that Deshaun Watson is going through right now, the organization aided in that as well. So they're still looked at as a villain instead of getting help and watching what's going on with their star quarterback who they just signed to that mega extension will place them the second highest quarterback in the league when that extension kicked in. To your comment, I don't know if it's it, – so you're going to place blame on Cal, right? Because of the whole Jack Easterby situation, because of how everything was handled, because when you look around that organization, not at the locker room, because we get caught up in that locker room sometimes, Cody, I'm going to move on quickly. We get caught up in that locker room and then we surface it like that's the end-all be-all. That locker room is only an extension of that front office. Hmm. And so that front office was in a lot of turmoil when Jamie Roos left, uh, when everybody was getting fired, everything was going on. And it seemed like Cal was just, I'm sticking on with my boy Jack Easterby for whatever reason. We talked about it in the past, how Jack may be a confidant for uh, Cal McNair because of all the people he had lost in that short amount of time, whether it was his father, a family friend, being thrown into the fire like this, Janice is saying, hey, I need for you to do this. And so you're going to look at a lot of different reasons, but this is still, I think, a 60-40 situation because at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson still allegedly put himself in this situation that he's going through right now. And if he wasn't in, in this situation right now, best believe he'd be off this team. Houston would have gotten a, a haul back for Deshaun Watson maybe a little bit before this year's draft or for next year's draft. He's still in limbo land. 
Uh, I, I, I semi agree with your situation. I mean, with your comment, we are Texans Red Nation, but there are so many more things behind the scenes that we're not discussing right now. And so maybe in due time, a lot of these informations that we have will unfold. But to play the blame game, I think it goes a little bit down the middle edge more over to the Texans side. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field for another season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all of pro and college football action this season. Go UT. With a new updated site, interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All righty, Texans fans. As I alluded to early on in the show, we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, man? Oh, man, not too much, man. I'm just excited for this weekend coming up. You know, the Texans, you know, quiet as kept with the Texans <laughs> and the both being pretty bad this year or mm-hmm. at least the season off one and four. You know, this is the Texans' arch nemesis. You know, make no mistake. Yeah. You know, this is their main rivalry. So, um, you know, I, I'm actually excited to see uh, what's in store this weekend for these two teams who have not gotten off to a good start to the season. Yeah, you know, both of these teams are sitting at one and four. And, of course, before we close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans, we're going to get into that. But, Brandon, man, I got to ask you, let's get this. Let's get your segment kicked off. Three games. Under center as the starter now, what have been your impressions about rookie quarterback Davis Mills? And I do want to mention, I don't know if you've been listening to Locked On Texans this past week, um, but here on Locked On Texans and along with my writing at USA Today Texans Wire, Davis Mills has been arguably the best rookie quarterback in two of the last three weeks. Of course, you got to take out that game against the Buffalo Bills. What has been your impression about Mills so far? I, I'm trying to figure out why you got to take out that game against the Buffalo Bills. Because it was that bad. Plus, he was going up against arguably the best team in football right now. I, I think that <laughs> I think that all of it matters, though. You don't get to just mm-hmm. pick and choose what the, the parts that you like and, and, and throw out the parts that you don't like. All of it happened. And I mm-hmm. look, I, I think he's been fine. When you say that he's been, you know, the top two rookies or or and what have you. That that is not necessarily a, a glowing uh, in, endorsement for for Davis Mills if you consider that the rookies have just flat out not been very good. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's also not to discredit Davis Mills. I think that he has shown some flashes. He has shown you that he can at least lead the offense. That he can make these these throws. The issue with Davis Mills is that he's been inconsistent at times in the throws that he makes. And his decision making what stood out to me in the bounce back game against the Patriots, if you will, is that his decision making was a lot better. It seemed like a cliche when you say, hey, you know, I'm just going to focus on taking care of the ball and not turning the ball over. Well, you can say that against the Bills and it not really matter. Like he could have not turned the ball over. He could have not thrown four interceptions and they still would have lost. Maybe if it's not 40 to nothing whatever the score is, they weren't going to win that game. But not turning the ball over is the difference between being competitive and not 
in a game against a team like the New England Patriots, which is what you saw them having a chance to win the game because Davis Mills was very good. I'm I'm not gonna sit up here and discredit after what we we saw what we saw. I mean, it's on tape. You know, you can go back and just watch the game. He was pretty good. What I don't want to do is overstate how how good he was just because the rest of the rookies aren't doing very well or just because he looked so bad in the game before. So I think there's still a lot there that needs to be obviously developed. He's like he's not starting quarterback level kind of kind of guy yet. I just don't I don't I don't see it. And I I agree with David Cully when he says that Tyrod Taylor should be the starting quarterback when he's healthy. Like I, I like I'm I'm on the, the the Tyrod Taylor side side of things until um, until I, I see a lot more from Davis Mills. And I am too, you know, I, I'm actually hoping that Tyrod do come back and be the starting quarterback whenever he comes back from this hamstring injury. However, on the flip side of that, I'm also looking at this from a standpoint of what are the Texans going to be when Tyrod Taylor comes out? Because first and foremost, he was supposed to come come back for this upcoming game against the Indianapolis Colts. And according to David Cully on Wednesday, Tyrod is not ready. So you're looking at a situation where we could go another two to three games without seeing Tyrod Taylor. And look, I'm saying that this next game against the Indianapolis Colts is a must win because your next two is against the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. And without Laramie Tunsil protecting his left side, I think things could get really bad for Davis Mills. However, when I look at Davis Mills, when I look at everything he has done since taking over for Tyrod Taylor in the second half of that game against the Cleveland Browns, me saying he has been the best rookie quarterback, I know some people might consider that as like an overstatement, but when you take a look at the way he has played, when you take a look at his numbers, and by the way, his numbers has been better than all the other rookie quarterback, I just feel personally that it's showing that Davis Mills has some type of promise when you compare his play so far in the likes of Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and who else been starting since day one, Matt Jones, and by the way, the one-on-one, the head-to-head battle, he did outplay Mac Jones Sunday. It's just unfortunate that Jones had a better coach that helped him win the game. Oh, you're not going to get no arguments there. The, the <laughs> Texas staff definitely got out coached, and I do think that you could make the case and the, the numbers there in the tape will show that Davis Mills did outplay Mac Jones. Look, I'm, I'm not arguing that he's not one of the better rookie quarterbacks right now. I think I think that's that's that, that has shown itself. I just don't think that that in and of itself is like what. So if he's one of the better rookie quarterbacks, what exactly does that mean? What does that what does that say? Okay, does that mean that he's better than Tyrod Taylor? Does that mean he's a better option? Look, there there are a number of different ways we can look at this, Cody. Right? You can look Mm -hmm. at it from from a team development standpoint. What is the smartest strategy from a team development standpoint, and how you handle this quarterback situation? It's probably if, especially if, look, if you're one and five, one and six, you know, or two and five or whatever it is, when Tyrod Taylor comes back, what's the smartest strategy from a team development standpoint to approach this thing? It's probably to just allow Davis Mills to absorb this experience and to find out what you have in Davis Mills. Now, I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that, you know, we talked about this before, that you need to find out what you have in Davis Mills to decide whether or not you're going to draft a quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. Or the year after that, I think you need to do that anyway. If you find a quarterback that you like, and if you don't, 
you don't have to reach for one, but it ain't going to be Davis Mills to be the reason why you don't draft a quarterback. But while you're in the moment and while you have this opportunity with Davis Mills and if, and if Tyrod Taylor is not ready, you can go ahead and continue to develop Davis Mills. That seems to make sense. But when you look at it from like the interpersonal standpoint and from a competitive standpoint, Tyrod Taylor is the better player. And if sports I is, agree. And, and if sports is supposed to be a meritocracy, and maybe I'm a little naive for thinking about it this way, but if sports is supposed to be a meritocracy, I think that the better player is supposed to play. This is not a, about not losing your job to injury. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that Tyrod Taylor is too good or above losing his job to injury because, I mean, it's happened the last few years anyway. I'm saying that if the the player behind him is not a better player, then he deserves to play. He should play. I think you owe that to to, to the player and and just from, uh, from an honesty and an integrity standpoint, you should play the best players. So, uh, you know, I, I, it, it not getting into the like the politics and and the, you know, the you know, armchair GM strategy of how should you develop a team and how should you develop a quarterback just from a, a competitive standpoint and who's the better player. I think that Tyrod Taylor should be the guy. That's not a knock on Davis Mills. He's been fine. And I look the New England game, very encouraging after what you saw against the bills so that's something to build on and that's another reason why watching him go you know on a, a another road game against a rival against an indianapolis coast defense that has a good defensive front you want to see what does it look like in the next week hmm. um what i would say i do agree that tyrod is still the better player and still the better quarterback and look the houston texans are sitting at one and four entering week six and if tyrod doesn't get hurt i do believe we'd be looking at a team with a winning with a winning record as of right now but brandon really quick before we start talking about sunday's game it seems like every single week the houston texans it's this growing disconnect between them and the player the last time you was on this show we were talking about what was going on between um the texans and zach cunningham now this whole entire week has been extremely weird weird given everything that's going on with charles Aminuhu. what has been your takeaway about the drama that's all folding there yeah i mean i just think it's you know it's unfortunate you got a disconnect between the organization and a player i you know i'm not you know in a position to place blame i don't know enough to to place blame or say who's the problem you know, in, in in which situation, in which scenario. But the bottom line is, is that you have a plus player, a good player who was inactive last week and in, in some ways in vague and odd terms seems to be at odds with the coaching staff. And some of the things that stand out to me when you hear the coaches talk about Charles, Charles Menahue is that they talk about uh, practice and and Nick Casario mentioned uh, when he was on with Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610 earlier in the week, his response when when asked directly, what does Charles Amenehu need to do to be active on game days? He said that no one is entitled to such and such, whatever he said. No one's entitled to basically playing or a job or whatever is and, and, and spoke of, used the word, basically said entitled, used the word entitled. I did say so, that. So those things stood out to me it makes me wonder what exactly is going on what what is the you know interpersonal issue here that's happening between uh charles menhu who again is a good player and i just 
you know, got done making a point that the the best players, the better players should be the ones to play. And so Charles Menhue should be playing and damn sure shouldn't be inactive on, on any week. You know, you can remember earlier in the season, whenever that was, whether it was the preseason or whatever week that was when Charles Menhue for some reason was like at the end of the depth chart and, mm-hmm. and he got noticed and picked up and was a conversation piece and, and David Cully in a press conference uh, kind of laughed it off and, and said, Charles Menehue will be playing, will be a big part of, you know, of the game plan or whatever it was. And, and, and he was and had been, you know, that that, that is a, a contrast and wasn't that long ago. That's a stark contrast to where we are right now talking about, oh, we got to figure out if we're going to, you know, play more inside and, you know, and, and it matters what you do in practice and no one's entitled to a job. You know, it's just it's just a real odd, uh, you know, a real odd story. What a great segment with Cody and Brandon K. Scott. Celebrate the freedom of choice with Bill Bar. Okay. You got nine delicious flavors that you can choose from mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, cookies, and cream. And they got those limited time flavors as well. Celebrate the freedom of choice. You choose whatever you want. And if you want to kind of pick and choose, go ahead and get that mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 45 grams and 45 grams of sugar. I'm sorry, only 45 grams of sugar and 45 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to BillBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code Locked On for 15% off at BillBar.com. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Can't wait to dive into whether we will have a victory Monday or another loss Monday. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all major platforms, including YouTube. Eric, but continuing here with this latest installment of Locked On Texans, Brandon, the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts, they are one and four entering Sunday's game. How do you see the Texans matching up against Indianapolis? Well, for, first off with Indianapolis, I just think what's interesting about them is that the the big thing with them is that they needed the quarterback, you know. And so, you know, last year it was Phillip Rivers and this year, you know, they did what they felt like they needed to do to go get Carson Wentz, trade up to get or trade trade it to go get Carson Wentz, and that's going to be the answer. It's going to be the reclamation project. And if Carson Wentz can be good, if Carson Wentz can be good, then the Colts can be somebody. They can hmm. threaten in the AFC South. They can challenge the Tennessee Titans for you know the AFC South title, and 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 that's the only thing that's holding them back. And then lo and behold, you look up, and Carson Wentz actually has been good. Carson <laughs> Wentz actually has played very well, right? And, uh-huh. and everything around him that has actually failed him and has failed the Colts. You know, the the offensive line has probably not been as good as advertised and has underperformed. Really, health health has been a big thing with the, the Colts. And everybody goes through this, but especially the Colts right now, injuries have been a problem. Their secondary has been in shambles. Uh-huh. And and you saw that uh, manifest itself against the uh, against the Baltimore Ravens the other night. Um, and that and that collapse. And, and so uh, and so I think that the Colts are, are just really interesting from the standpoint of what their expectations were, where they expected to be strong 
and, and, and what the question marks were and, and how things have sort of flipped on them and, and the quarterback that everyone was wondering, you know, you know, is this guy any good still or, you know, and, and all of these things about Carson Wentz. And he's been far from the problem in, in, as far as what's been happening with the Colts. So, I, you know, I, I just think that's an interesting dynamic from from the opponent as far as the Texans. You know, I look offensively, you know, they're dealing with a, a really good front seven with what the Colts mm-hmm. bring. But we saw, as I just mentioned, that that secondary can be exposed. And if Davis Mills is developing the way that you feel like he is and the way I would even agree that, you know, the improvement that he showed against Bill Belichick, you know, against uh, a, a Patriots defense. Um, I, I'd love to see what he could do in his first time against Matt Eberflus, uh, his first time against this really good front seven and a secondary that, look, they had a backup. Rocky Sim, Yassim uh, didn't get to play in um, in, in that game against the, uh, against the, the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, they had a backup out there who didn't play very well. And he, I, I would imagine, is going to play against the Texans, but I'm pretty sure it's show, shown up on this injury report. And so they are banged up. Even if their guys are, are there and back, you can be, rest assured that they are not 100%. So I, I'm interested to see how and if the Texans are able to expose the struggling Colts secondary. So, so, so that, that, that's the matchup that I'm, that I'm looking forward to. And then of course, you know, with the defense going up against Carson Wentz, you know, I, I, I credit Lovey Smith for making good and the, and the players, obviously for making good on all this talk about turnovers and in a week going up against Carson Wentz, when, like I just said, the offensive line has, under, has underperformed and everything around Carson Wentz has seemed to fail him that, that running game. I'll say that. If anything that scares me about and what would worry me about this game for any Texans fan is just watching those running backs. I, I, you know, watching those running backs are just something I don't want to deal with between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. That that is what worries me more than anything, because those guys are electric. But, you know, as far as the, the defense and, you know, their nose for the ball. And, you know, like, how about Terrence Mitchell stripping that ball at the goal line against the Patriots, you know, and, you know, Lonnie Johnson having picks uh, in a couple of games and, and 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 just all the turnovers, you know, making good on that and making that like a legitimate part of their identity, their defensive identity. You look at the offense and what they said they would be, what their identity would be. They said they would run the ball. They said they would be physical, you know, kind of a smash mouth mentality and approach. And it just hasn't been that. Not that they haven't tried. It just hasn't been that. It, it just has not worked out offensively. So they they have not been, the offense has not been what they told us that it, it would be. But the defense has. And I can respect that. And so I'm interested to see how that plays out against Carson Wentz and the Colts. You said something I want to go back to really quick. You said that you believe, well, um, that the matchup, the favor the Texans can actually have is if Davis Mills is able to exploit the weakened secondary that the Indianapolis Colts have. And I do agree with that statement, but my only issue is I don't know if he's going to have the time to do it. And I say that because on yesterday, um, Laramie Tunsil underwent the, the surgery on his injured thumb, and he's going to be out for the next four to six weeks. 
Brandon, how much do you see Laramie Tunso not being a part of that offensive line? How much you think that is actually going to hurt the Houston Texans more so than what we can see on the surface? Yeah, well, I, I think what you see on the surface is what it is. It's that, mm -hmm. you know, on, on that left side, he is elite. He is an elite left tackle. And so you're replacing him with Garon Christian, who is not elite, you know, but is is adequate, you know, started some has started games. And in the limited action that we've seen to him, you know, it, it's, again, not great, but, you know, <laughs> adequate out there. So, look, I, I think that it's it, that you are going to notice the difference. Um, but at, overall, the offensive line and, and Laramie Tunsil has a bit, been a big part of what I'm going to say here. But overall, the offensive line has been pretty good in pass pro. The you know the running backs the one thing you can say about them I know that they haven't run the ball very well but one of the reasons why they have so many veteran running backs and and what you can say specifically about the ones that they have is that they're good in pass pro I, I'm not as worried about them in pass pro and being able to protect Davis Mills as I am Davis Mills continuing to make good decisions and not try to force balls and, and not be fooled by whatever Matt Eberflus might throw out there. And, and, you know, and again, can he take advantage of this secondary that is in shambles? So, uh, look, I, I think that that he'll have time. I think that uh, one of the big things, you know, you're, you're talking about having time, you know, taking shots downfield. One of the big parts of, of the offense, I'm pretty sure, is going to also be, you know, getting some 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 of the quick game going and, and some of the shorter throws uh, as well to get the offense into a rhythm um, and try to get the defense off balance. So um, so I, I think that play calling will have a little bit to do with it um, when Davis Mills will have his opportunities. But yeah, obviously losing Laramie Tunsil, you know, and and switching somebody else in there is an obvious downgrade. Now the interesting thing, Cody, since you bring it up. Hmm. And, and what I would like to see personally is Titus Howard move over to really to, to left tackle and see just what does that look like and, and, and figure out the guard spot uh, with, with somebody just that just want to go in there and, and, and be nasty. Just just pull offensive, pull another offensive lineman out there and let him go in there and be nasty and be a guard and let. Let Titus Howard be more of the athlete that that he is. I'm not saying he's not the athlete that Laramie Tunsil is. Mm -hmm. Don't get it confused. But I mean, we saw some flashes from him last year. You know, in in the time that he played, you know, at, at right tackle, and and I know one of the issues for a lot of the people who had problem with the Laramie Tunsil trade was the idea and the possibility that maybe Titus Howard could have been your left tackle all along. The guy that you had just drafted before you made that trade. And, and maybe that was your, your franchise left tackle or, or, or just an adequate left tackle. You know, one thing that, you know, I've, I've heard players say before about that position is that you, you don't need an all pro, uh, you know, a pro bowl level left tackle necessarily. It's great to have one. You probably prefer one. But really, you just need an adequate left tackle. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
Titus Howard could be that. And so uh, they have said already that they're not doing that. And, you know, I'm, so I'm just throwing that out there as something that I would like to see. Um, but, but yeah, losing Laramie Tunsil is a, is a big deal. Brandon, really quick, how important will this game be on Sunday? Because like I alluded to earlier, they're one in four. If they win this game, it could give them some type of momentum, but they one in four on a four game losing streak. <laughs> and the next two games, especially the one next week against Arizona is going to be very, it's going to be tough for this team, especially considering that nine times out of 10, Tyrod Taylor is not going to be back there on the center for this organization. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, this isn't a team that's going to win a lot of games this year. So, Mm -hmm. so how important is it really? Probably not all that important but in the moment and i i do believe in the moment and living in the moment i i do mm-hmm. think that there is some importance to it from the standpoint of you've lost four straight uh the one of those you know so let's just take the last two one of those was in an embarrassing fashion where you lost 40 to nothing <laughs> i'll be to, to maybe the best team in football mm-hmm. but that, that still happened and then the most recent loss was one that you felt like you should have won, one that you felt like got away from you. And so from that standpoint, just sort of bouncing back and kind of getting that bitter taste out of your mouth of losing and just to stop losing so doggone much, I think it's a big deal, you know, from a morale standpoint and from a competitive standpoint. Uh, I mentioned earlier that this is the arch nemesis. This is a, a huge rival. All of these players are new. And and probably have no real connection to the Texans Colts rivalry and, and and whatever that is. Most of them probably probably don't really care about that, you know. But that matters, I, I think, to the fans. Mm-hmm. And, and then again, both of the teams being bad, that is again an a, unusual part of this rivalry. Normally, at least one of the two teams are good. Normally, it's the Colts for, for sure. Uh, but never are they both this bad. I feel r- rarely, I think it's happened before, but rarely are they both this bad. So uh, so that that is uh, another piece of it where you got this desperation from both fan bases, from both teams of wanting to get that bitter taste out of their mouth. We just talked about what happened with the Colts, letting one get away, but in, in, in front of an even bigger audience, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> a primetime audience, uh, a collapse, you know, that that the world saw. So, uh, you know, I think I think the game is big from that standpoint, just from in the moment of of both teams, you know, really probably trying to want to bounce back. But, you know, for the Texans, you know, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like that that fans and media view the game this way. And I don't like this part of the process. But it is true that, you know, it, it is only so much about winning the games right now. And, and the wins right now. So, you know, is it, do you come in on Monday irate about the Texans losing to the Colts <laughs> on the road with this team? Probably not. If, if there are some specifics in the game, some coaching, some mis- game mismanagement, some coaching decisions that are questionable, some plays that are questionable, penalties, um, all, all, all sorts of, of, talking points that can come from a game you can come in and break those down but in the grand scheme of things if they lose are you are you that upset does it does it how much does it matter i mean i mean you know you know you know 
Really quick, Brandon, can I get a score prediction from you? Yeah, let's go. Let's go Colts 30, Texans 13. 30 to 13. Mm, that's a pretty yeah. ugly lopsided score. Hey, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you hate it when I do that too. Yeah, I got them covering the spread and plus some. So uh yeah, I think yeah, what is this? A nine, I think this is a nine and a half spread. So yeah, mm-hmm. that that is that's that is probably harsh a little bit, but hey, but I, I I've had some pretty bad scores uh already. I'm pretty bad on scores so far. So uh, let's <laughs> we'll see if I'm any closer on this one. Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners and viewers follow you at on social media? Yeah, man, just follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. I'm at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. Uh, you can also follow Sports Radio 16 on all the social media platforms because I'm doing that too. And uh, subscribe to the B Block podcast because if you uh, like and listen to this one, then you'll like that one too. So um, those are all the places where you can find me. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And please be sure to follow the Locked On Texans page on Twitter at Locked On Texans. And of course, my co-host, Mr. Johnson, sports guy Hickman at some sports guy with not one, but two Y's at the end. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.